0: Welcome to Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Olivia Taylor. I'm Lucy Cecil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, <laughs> every time! I just want there to be like something come i always think something's going to come to my head before we get to this point but it never does maybe, um, maybe you should
0: like okay. write a poem and then read a line of it each week
1: oh that's a good idea yeah i'm gonna do that from 2021 onwards it's gonna be one long poem for the whole okay. year
0: <laughs> and then all of our all of our many super fans can stitch it together at the end of the year you
1: like one of those twitter threads where it's like read read back at the first word of all of my last tweets for the whole of the past five years and it like spelled it's like a britney lyric or something
0: <laughs> amazing i i love things that are like easter eggs yeah i i like an easter
1: egg as well it's exciting isn't it sort of uh thrilling
0: yeah have you um have you found any in the evermore album
1: um not like particular ones i'm sure it's littered with them but i feel like maybe i haven't been switched on enough to realize what they
0: are have do you know any um, no, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a few TikToks where people have been talking about um, what different lyrics mean and right. a few callbacks, I think, to other songs, but I think I'm just going to need to, you know, sit with the album, pen and paper, really just get to town on the Easter eggs. <laughs> really crack the code. <laughs> As it were, yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, we are winding down the year on Queer Longing and this will be our last ever episode of what has been a roller coaster ride of 2020. Uh, Lucy, how are you feeling about this?
1: I, to be honest, I can't believe this is our last episode. I know, oh, can't believe it, can't believe it, everyone's saying it, but it's true. Like, it is, has been obviously a wild ride. Um, and yeah, I'm just thinking back to like when we first went into lock, lockdown one and we were like, right uh let's like do some like quarantine stuff for the pod blah 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 thinking it would be like a uh you know not last forever kind of thing and um we're still here so you know do you remember that jingle we did with Robbie Williams oh yeah (laughs) let me quarantine you
0: (laughs) that wasn't that wasn't appreciated in its lifetime if anyone remembers let me quarantine you then uh message us because you are a true fan
1: absolutely very true so yeah no i feel i feel like pleased and proud that we've continued to do the podcast for the for most of the year yeah we've taken some breaks but everybody's needed some breaks um but i feel proud that we have kept to it and doing it and like had a little bit of schedule with it so that's been nice um yeah how do you how do you feel
0: Well, I I was kind of wondering, say COVID ended tomorrow and normal business could resume in every sense of the word, would we go back to how we did it before?
1: I don't know. Well, I think we would sometimes. I think that maybe we wouldn't all the time because, you know, like, I think this is quite a good way to do it. It's very easy. It doesn't, like, when we were doing it before, I would be coming home, driving over to yours, driving back, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, can be... I mean, I liked doing that. And actually, do you know what, though? I'm going to be, like, gagging to just spend time with people in, in rooms. So I probably just will... I'll probably just move in. So, That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you,
0: and you absolutely must.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'll just be sleeping on the LGBT... Uh, and just recording 24/7.
0: Oh, the LGBTL has not got the levels of social action it was um expecting to get in 2020.
1: <laughs> it really hasn't. So sad for LGBTL. Um, all the dreams that have been lost. Yeah, no. I think uh, I think we we will record together again in a room, obviously. But will we do that every single time? Maybe not. Who knows? But you know, we we we've innovated. We've uh, revolutionised the podcast, and uh, we kept going, which is impressive, to be honest.
0: Do you have any goals for, I mean, I haven't even asked you if you want to continue it in 2021, to be honest, but <laughs> assuming, assuming that you do, do you have any, let's, let's put it out there into the universe. Let's manifest. Is there oh, anything yes. that you would like to do with the podcast on the podcast for the podcast next year? Let's COVID permitting, obviously
1: yeah okay Uh, some classic end of year manifestations as we move forward into a, a whole new a whole new year yeah i would like to get some stunning guests on i think that it's achievable i think we just have to you know hopefully reach out to people and hopefully you know get some people on i don't know who specifically but it would be nice to have some more guests it's always like a good time when we involve another person i think and it means we can talk about you know wider breadth of things and stuff that maybe we're not like as knowledgeable about um and it's always fun to have other people on so I'd like to do that I would love to do another live show because that was to be honest really fun <laughs> so uh, yeah I saw yeah, the, uh, yesterday I was like cleaning out under my bed like got this box of just absolute crap and I found our like flashcards from the live show like our Aww. notes and I was like oh so nice <laughs> when, we, when we had an
0: audience Have you noticed my um, queer longing baseball cap on the stand up there Mm -hmm. behind me? I have. It's
1: stunning prominence in that corner of your room. Very good. Pride of
0: place. Mm. Pride of place. Okay. Well, this is very good to know. I mean, I think that I echo all of your sentiments. So hopefully, you know, 2021, big year for queer longing. We'll just have to see what happens. (laughs) But on that subject of future thinking, Lucy, what are you living and longing for this week?
1: I've got a very silly living for but i've seen a few instances of it about and every time i see it i just lose my mind i think it's the funniest thing i've like ever seen and i'm, I'm hoping you've seen it as well have you seen the trailer for the kfc endorsed film recipe for seduction no. <laughs> oh my god okay this is a brand new lifetime movie like you know, so classic, like as we would call it, sit down movie of the year. Yeah, um, but it is like important. a hallmark. Yeah, like a hallmark, but but even lower lifetime. Well, not lower, but different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lifetime movie. Recipe for seduction with Mario Lopez playing like a hunky Colonel Sanders. No, I have, um, seen, this. No, I have seen this. No, I have seen this. It's basically about like a love affair. Like, ah!
0: Yeah, no, and I there's have
1: this amazing bit in it where like because there's like a woman who's supposed to be marrying some like not very nice man and then there's colonel sanders who she's falling in love with who's just the chef um and he's got this recipe this secret recipe right secret flavors with and there's this bit where like the, the not nice guy uh, yeah <laughs> there's this bit where the not nice guy who's like annoyed that he's got this secret recipe and also his uh woman's heart goes and the line just goes secrets out chicken man <laughs> <laughs> right it's well, I- so funny but it's completely earnest like it's fully like what kfc want apparently so um yeah i'm just living for that because it is just golden like complete trash
0: so just so i just so i can understand this have have kfc commissioned this themselves or is this just a happy coincidence on kfc's part and they're just riding that gravy train as it were
1: in that gravy and corn trade right to the right to the box office um they i believe they've like they are like partners in it like they they've commission they're like part commission I'm, i don't know if it's commission or they've just put money towards it but they spot they are they are behind it they are not like against it it's it they love it they love it they love to see it and honestly so will i okay
0: <laughs> so, yeah no i haven't yeah. seen um, the advert that is what
1: you. i'm living for <laughs>
0: nice i haven't seen the advert for it but i have seen oh my god um, i'm gonna send it i've seen someone instagramming about it and i saw like um like a like a press shot of of the movie but i didn't know whether it was a joke or if it was real and you know just sort of like scanning on instagram so i'm yet to see the trail so very much looking forward to that now i understand the context of this cultural phenomenon absolutely
1: i will i'll send you the trailer uh, it is uh insanity um and it's exactly the kind of thing you can't tell if it's real or not and what you know what more do I want um so yeah that is what I am living for (laughs) and I'm longing for so just today BBC released like all of the queens that are going to be on season two of RuPaul's Drag Race UK and I'm longing to watch that because it was a fun time watching first season so uh I think it'll be a fun time watching the next which I think starts on January 14th I'm sure you can uh, confirm or deny that. (laughs)
0: yeah no that is very exciting i too watched um meet the queens and i think it's going to be another strong year i I was really um really pleased with last year's premiere effort and i thought it went really well so hopefully i mean i was discussing this with a colleague of mine who worked on that previous series and um, i was saying to her just like how nice it is to have something back that is released in like weekly installments is like a competition show because shows like Bake Off, strictly all of those things have like done, they they do really have like a stabilizing effect on me (laughs) in terms of like, okay, this is the day that I do this, Olivia do it. And you know, it kind of like punctuates and situates time and space in a way that this year it's been so difficult to do. So I'm really looking forward to having something that feels like a community experience because obviously it's a show that, a lot of you know us and our friends watch, but also just like something that kind of marks the passage of time in a real way is very helpful.
1: I completely agree. It is they do they have those kind of shows like you say have really served uh, even more important purpose than ever uh, in uh, uh, 2020 and on into 2021. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it, and um, I especially laughed my head off when the Welsh there's a Welsh queen called I think Tase said Borodar bitches, and I just loved that
0: (laughs) so so yeah looking forward to that uh what are you living along for i think i've probably got a joint one um for this week and what i'm living and longing for is my work in inverted commas christmas party tomorrow so basically it's very i guess it's very difficult obviously to do a christmas party at the moment so we aren't doing an in real life christmas party of course but i was kind of wondering how it's going to work it's like a pretty big team and you know there is we've all been in a zoom this year that's had far too many people in it it's been pure chaos and just not enjoyable for anyone everyone's talking over each other I mean it's bad enough for two people can barely do that but 50 plus people nightmare so they've come up with this quite ingenious solution there's going to be team captains there's going to be like 10 tasks it's basically going to be like sort of a the covid treasure hunt slash crystal maze christmas extravaganza and they've managed to actually make something that i, I think a lot of people would normally dread into something that i feel like is actually going to be quite fun and good so i'm looking forward to that and i get to be a captain which i'll enjoy because i'll be telling everyone what to do which will be nice um nice that's <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a, a secret pre christmas meeting about it this afternoon so it's very exciting so hopefully yeah that'll be like a nice thing to do but yeah i need to as i was saying to you off mic christmasify my zoom backdrop so i need to get some lights up after this i think
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um no that sounds loads of fun i think uh it's it'll be interesting to see like what people do do for office christmas dues like i was uh I was when I left my job in October I was like oh I'd be sad to like I'll be sad cuz I'll be missing a Christmas do which I do actually really enjoy <laughs> and I used to organize the one at my old work um so god knows what they'll do but um yeah so uh I'm very intrigued to hear how Zoom Christmas do's go uh, um obviously won't be the same but it, it sounds like yours has got like a lot of effort put
0: into it which is really nice so I hope that you have a lovely time Oh thank you so much I need to try and find my uh festive headband that has like a christmas tree on top of it but you know it's the kind of thing that's like hangs around all year and you're like oh for god's sake i don't want this and then yes. on the one day of the year that you need it you can't find it but such is life lucy such is fucking life but other than christmas news any other news or bits of gossip or anything else that you would like to report for this week
1: no although i did want to let you know that i finally watched little women and i've been keeping that from you
0: that is fantastic news, and I can only yeah. be, my heart is glad. Let's just say that. Have you also watched um, the sketches with Timothy Chalamet from SNL from this year?
1: No, not yet. Not yet. I keep being like, oh, I need to watch them, and then forgetting. Um, right, but I've I'll... seen like a lot of little clips, you know. Like I've bits. watched,
0: I've watched um, a couple of them. I haven't watched all of them, but the best one, hands down, for me so far, let me just tell you, is Tiny Horse. Tiny Horse. Okay, sounds good. You have to watch. Please, please watch Tiny Horse after we get off this Zoom. And then report back to me.
1: I will do. Um, I, I really want to watch them. And I, uh, I hear he did Harry Styles as well, which I'm very intrigued to watch. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm into it. But I've not got around to it. But I just want to say, Little Women, stunning. Like, I knew it would be. You talked about it on the pub before. You went this time last year, probably. I mean, a bit, a bit later. But, um, yeah, I loved it so much. I mean, I loved the old one, so... Knew I would like it, but I didn't know just how much. And now it's definitely going to be part of my Christmas canon because it has a nice sort of festive feel, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it's so good. Now, I do believe that Little Women is a Christmas film. I don't care what the people say. It is very Christmassy and it must be watched at Christmas. But it also is one that can be watched at other times of the year as well. It's not one that can't be watched at other times. But yeah, um, that and The Railway Children, definitely two big christmas films but um yeah i absolutely loved this most recent adaptation of um little women um i think we might have touched on this but i thought that timothy chalamet i mean i love him so i was prepared to love him as laurie but i also think that he is an appropriate laurie for the gen x and millennial ages of the people who will be watching this possibly seeing it as their first version of Little Women you know they may not have watched. I mean I think probably like we sort of straddle like this one and the Winona Ryder Claire Danes one like yeah. both but um for yeah slightly younger people this might be like their first forays into like Little Women adaptations and I think that he like definitely embodies what a law, like a lorry that this generation can relate to absolutely yeah like um I
1: just think he is like the perfect and and like you say in a millennial way he is like he is like bringing such like soft boy energy which is like quite important to that kind of guy um like they they really hammed that sort of a- a aspect of his personality up and I really really was here for it I thought it was great um and yeah I, lo- I loved him in in that thought I thought every I thought one of the main things about that film is the the just everyone in every single role is like stunning um and really really well cast so yeah, yeah watch it if you want another like sort of christmasy film but not like specifically about christmas film just watch it it's so good
0: totally and i think the laurie's character is just so interesting because i think that for a lot of people growing up watching that or reading it and seeing that character um depicted it it's one of the few characters I think that I read as a romantic sort of prospect to these characters that I was kind of like backing or trying to relate to, that I felt was like a safe character, like a safe sort of man or yeah. you know, boy or whatever. Um, yeah. Because he wasn't trying to kind of like... the what, what I think is so present in, in this, which, which is quite absent in a lot of other books and films from the same sort of period, is like a total like lack of respect for, for women and um, this huge sort of gulf between the male experience, the female experience. And obviously it explores that in Little Women, but in terms of how they interact with one another, they, they do so in a way that is a lot more as peers than in other books and, and films where you see those interactions between men and women
1: yes no absolutely you're you're completely right um and yeah oh god i always wanted to be laurie when i was like younger i was like oh so like i like fancied laurie the christian was it christian bale version yeah um but also i think now that i like look at it back now i'm like oh maybe i actually wanted to be laurie as opposed to uh fancying laurie and i always wanted the name laurie
0: (laughs) Laurie's a, Laurie's a so great you can call name. me laurie very sexy name <laughs> oh um, thanks so much and also can we talk about amy's redemption arc mm, yeah the road temp- to redemption has been strong in
1: the <laughs> <sacitation>. <laughs> yeah they did they did i'm really intrigued to we're gonna watch the 97 version again because like i haven't watched it for years and i don't really remember exactly how that how that works um, in you know how the how the plot plays out in that like I didn't remember the main bits but um so but yeah no I thought in this adaptation they really uh, let her have like a proper amazing arc and really great redemption and she just like uh, really um, grows into such a such a. She was no longer a little girl. She was a little woman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the 1997 one, Kirsten Dunst basically just plays like a vapid brat. And you, yeah. don't, you don't really see much more than that. And she's definitely sort of like situated, like character wise as a child. Whereas all of the other sisters are seen as like little women or sort of like teenagers or young adults. Right. But she's very much like... A child that never really grows up even when she goes on to do what what she does later on in the um book but in this i think you definitely see like within within the film you see Florence Pugh play the character as a child but growing into a woman and the things that might have been like annoying or vapid about her kind of morph into a sense of like um a sense of entitlement but not necessarily in a in a negative way it kind of like manifests itself as like positive sort of entitlement and self-respect and a sense of responsibility i think you kind of see so it's not that she's just this kind of petticoat loving vapid t- little girl it's like there's so much more to her character and I think that Florence Pugh just pl- uh, plays that really really well I-, I loved it
1: yeah absolutely um so yeah thanks for urging me to watch it and um thank you to me for watching it one whole year later
0: yes <laughs> so... thank you to you well what shall I encourage you to watch now and then you'll be watching it for this episode by the time of next year <laughs> I do know let me know Don't know. I'm not very good with films. I did watch um oh god, I watched this this film that I found so difficult. You know, when you watch something and you're like, what what is the message of this film? Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. What was it?
0: So I watched it last night and I watched it because absolute goddess of our lives, Katherine Hahn, was in it as like the main character. And it was called Afternoon Delight. Oh. Oh,
1: I've heard of that yeah I've not seen it
0: yeah so it's basically that she's this um kind of um upper middle class LA Silver Lake housewife and she is feeling like she's like lacking in purpose and motivation and sort of like you get the impression that she's kind of teetering on the edge of like a bit of a of a breakdown um because of those things and doesn't really feel like she's like rooted in the different aspects of her life like a husband feels quite absent um, and they're not really as connected as they used to be. And it starts off with them having this like dry spell in the beginning. And because of that, they decide that together they're going to go to a strip club for a night out. And then she meets this stripper while she's there um, called McKenna and they kind of like get talking and then um, she just has this kind of like moment where she feels as if she's connecting with her in some kind of way to the point that she tracks her down a few days later and kind of like pursues her. And then basically invites her to come and live in their house and pretend that she is the nanny of her child it's honestly so bizarre it's this whole like rich rich savior story like oh i'm gonna come along and like pluck you from obscurity or or unsafety and put you in my like nice house in silver lake basically and then It all just kind of goes wrong because Catherine Hahn's character can't really deal with the fact that McKenna is an unapologetic sex worker and she's living her life in the way that she um, wants to be living it and she wants to kind of seek to control these things. And it all kind of culminates in um, McKenna sleeping with one of the other like dads in the friendship group. And then basically they get rid of McKenna and then suddenly like their marriage is fine and things are back to normal and they're like back on a much better even keel. And then she drives past the strip club and then like sees McKenna outside and it's just kind of like, oh, the days of yore. And she like wistfully looks over the road to McKenna. And it's like, what are the learnings here? What have we learned? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah.
1: And that what, sounds um,
0: odd. It was really odd. So if anyone's watched it, I would love to know, am I just like missing something kind of glaringly obvious? And I know that not all movies are meant to have kind of a morality tale stitched in them. But I felt like this one was trying to tell you something because obviously, towards the end, like their, their marriage is reignited and things seem to kind of like reach a sense of peace after this like unrest that Catherine Hahn has created completely like on her own so it was really bizarre
1: so that's a lovely uh film roundup of what we've each been watching but I know that we have both now watched Netflix's and Ryan Murphy's The Prom um which is a musical uh set in a sort of high school and are, well, not really in high school, sort of in a high school area. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, which basically tells the story of a lesbian girl who um, ha- her prom gets cancelled by the PTA because she wants to invite a girl to the prom, and uh, these four, four, three, four Broadway celebrities decide that they are going to go and to the small town in Indiana and help uh, this girl to put her prom back on and it's sort of about the story of that and it's based on a um, Broadway musical which I didn't realise until I was like reading around it as I was watching it and basically it just tells the story of them going to this small town and people going through many a journey uh, each of their own to culminate in the prom Uh, what did you think Olivia? What were your thoughts?
0: Well I liked, I mean, first, first of all, it's very long and it does not need to be. And it's um, so long. this was, I, I was worried about this because I know your rule about movies being two hours or less. So I, I, I did wonder about you <laughs> struggling with this and you did. It's not
1: a rule. It's not a rule. I'll, I'll watch longer movies. It's just that I think that some of the best movies, and often if I just want to watch a movie, it should be less than two hours.
0: Okay, well, I knew there was something about less than two hours, so I was (laughs) thinking, will she watch it? But, um, yeah, it's it's too long. It doesn't need to be as long as it is, but there are a lot of show tunes in it. A lot. Probably if they release this soundtrack on Spotify, it'll be like 27 tracks, like definitely 27 dresses of songs. Um, There are so many songs. Some of them are really great. Love the one with Andrew Rannell's In The Fountain. That was fab. And a lot of like great bits. It's a star-studded cast. So you've got Nicole Kidman. You have got Meryl Streep. You've got James Corden. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, the the difficulty we have and we're here again but this time we're seniors and we're going to rule the school and unfortunately the response to James Corden's character um or, or playing this character was not didn't really go down that well basically um as far as we know James Corden is um a straight guy and he's playing this kind of like down at heel, quite campy, maybe like better days behind him, middle-aged, gay, slightly washed up Broadway star whose star is rapidly fading, let's say. And the script and the characterization does fall back on a lot of, a lot of kind of stereotypes and things that sort of one-liners that maybe feel a little bit tired. That's obviously not James Corden's fault because he's not written the script, but Should someone like James Corden, who everybody knows as being a kind of very straight, privileged, late night host, be playing this role where there probably aren't that many roles for a slightly more like femme presenting, older, not as conventionally attractive gay guy, like does that seem like the right casting choice here so there's a couple of question marks over that i think it's i think it's a really difficult one where you kind of legislate in a very uh, black and white way about who should be playing what roles and why i do struggle with that an example that i could give that's made me think Differently to that is Noah, who plays Patrick in Shits Creek. Can you imagine any other character, any other actor playing Patrick? Because I can't. He's a great Patrick. I fully believed in David and Patrick's love, was totally there for it. He totally suited the character and um, had, had no issue with it. But maybe it's something to do with the fact that, like, James Corden is so well-known outside of being an actor. And is it just kind of, like, leveraging that, that fame rather than it being you know the right person for the right part and yeah that it just felt a little bit icky to me i'm not sure why it's different maybe that's why what what did you think yeah i
1: think that's a really interesting point um like thinking about other people who've played like straight or known straight actors playing gay parts like uh Patrick I uh, can't remember the actor's name but yeah he's obviously brilliant. Um yeah I think it's it's partly that I think it's also when it's such a, a a large a large name like a big name like James Corden it does seem like it's like for the name. Uh and I think it's also uh, cast as say a queer character as a straight person uh, which I think James Corden is um and i think that's partly is that him is that the script is that the direction um and like but he did literally that character or the writing or the directing or his embodiment of it was incredibly sort of stereotypical uh camp gay man he literally did like limp wristing and stuff like that which i was just like it's just it's it is gross to see now like we don't want to see that i don't and i don't i agree with you that i find it really difficult to know uh exactly how to feel about who plays what, but I do think that in, you know, like quote unquote in, in a, in a dream world, we can, anyone can play anyone and we can all do whatever we want. But in the world we live in and when you have the opportunity to give parts in big sort of queer films uh, with queer storylines, that you should sort of offer those or try and find somebody who's queer to embody them. And also, um, you know, he, his, I think it would have been fine if he was uh if James Corden character. James Corden's character was a, a lesser character, but he's quite a big character. He ends up being the person who has the biggest uh, sort of emotional link of the Broadway stars with the, with Emma, the, the, the lesbian character. And it's kind of, just really hard to believe his embodiment of that character and that journey yeah because it's all
0: all to do with the the link that they share over kind of like childhood or sort of adolescent trauma to do with sexuality and shame and all of those things and I think that you know that's a really difficult thing to bore into or to explore when you're watching it you can't suspend your disbelief because you know who James Corden is so maybe that's maybe that's the difference. And I do think that, you know, there needs to be, yeah, nuanced conversations over like who plays which roles and why. But I suppose if you are a straight person playing a queer role, then I think building a character who is kind of more three-dimensional and sort of nuanced and complex is the real requirement here. And I think that that's definitely what Noah's Noah did with Patrick and you can definitely see that whereas I think with this role it was more just it was as though it was like some kind of gross parlor game and pulling like player a camp man out of a hat
1: yeah definitely and also when you're making a film when you've made a film or the story whatever which is supposed to be all about like empowering gay people and um, gay people being queers are great and we want queers to do all the things and um we want to empower them and they deserve to have all the things that straight people do and then casting a straight person in one of those key roles is just kind of like it just doesn't it sort of it dampens the message in my in my opinion like so yeah yeah especially
0: when it could have been dan levy
1: exactly it should have i I literally wrote here it should be dan levy
0: (laughs) yeah i mean that's so remember, obvious. Because he was
1: basically being Dan Levy. He was, like, acting like Dan Levy or acting a bit like um Nathan Lane, you know, yeah. from, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, from, like, Angels in America and stuff like that. He yeah. was being that sort of type of character. And I just wanted to see Dan Levy, not James Corden, so, you know.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think so. Things I liked about it, the romance between Meryl Streep's character and the principal, absolutely loved that. <laughs> that was fab. <laughs> because...
1: I I found Meryl Streep's character really unlikable. And I know that, like, she's supposed to be unlikable, so spoiler alerts and whatever. But... Uh, she, they're sort of supposed to all be a bit like narcissistic, and um, they don't—they only go there for a PR opportunity. Um yeah. And but in the end, they come good and they do the right thing. But even in the end, when they're supposed to come good and do the right thing, she's still reluctant to do it. Like she doesn't really want to do it. She, when she's like peeking at some magazines instead of giving her credit card over for like paying
0: for the prom and stuff. Yeah.
1: I just found I was just like because I, I love love Meryl, but I was like, come on, like. I think that was just really to create a sense of.
0: Drama and that she'd like finally got over her issues with not being helpful. I think that was what that was just. Yeah, I, d- I just
1: don't know. But I did like their romance. Uh, yeah. with her I liked and their um, romance
0: and I liked he. that there was like a bit of an age difference there. That was cute and that, you know, Merrill is a vibrant lady at, at 71 and. Um, yeah I thought that was really nice i did I did feel a little bit kind of emotional towards the end i mean the whole the whole issues around you know coming out, families rejecting you, wanting to be normal, in invert commas, whatever that means blah 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 all of those all of those kind of struggles that I think you know we all go through to a lesser or greater degree did feel very kind of like close to the wick in some parts when I was watching it like it's very sort of like reminiscent of a particular time in you know my life so watching that was kind of like emotional in a sense and then at the end when you see them all dancing and you know they are at the prom together and it all kind of like works out I did feel quite emotional because I thought when have I you know despite what you might think about the movie as a whole and the characterization of, of certain characters in it when have you seen two teenage lesbians being centered in this way when have you ever seen a a prom where the main sort of characters at the prom are two girls who are going together never i've never seen that you never really see two girls dancing together in a romantic way you never really see a kiss especially in teen movies between two girls especially and it had all of that so despite its flaws, I felt like I'm more glad that it's here than I'm not.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do want to sort of, so there were a couple of things that like, annoyed me in the, in the same way as, and I think this is only to be fair to our uh, critique of Happiest Season, uh, in the sense that there were some similar things happening in terms of like the the coming out uh, arcs and stuff and like in the sense that like it really bugged me that when James Corden's character finally like his mom comes to say, Oh yeah, like uh it's all good. Um, she she was like, Oh yeah, but your dad's not happy about it still. Sorry, lol. Um and like so it was like, okay, you get you get you get half the package. You don't get a full acceptance, fine. Um and they're also right at the end when uh oh no, it really bugged me that in it, right, a couple of things. <laughs> it really bugged me that initially they the 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 girlfriends Emma and is it Alyssa? They're, like, secretly been going out for a year and a half. I was like, why is it a secret? That really bugs me. Like, I get that it's, you know, plot point had to happen. But, like, it just is, again, it's, like, another hidden relationship Character, like characterization of, of lesbianism, um, and then it annoyed me that I, I got the, you know, Alyssa's character has all these pressures, etc, and these are things that do happen, blah, 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 and we have said, we said that about Happiest Season, but we also said that we were sort of done with it, so, you know, I'm just being fair to that point that we made before, and it did annoy me that right at the end, right at the end, when they finally kiss, like, her, so her mom Alyssa's mum comes around to it all, and it seems all nice and lovely and stuff, right at the end they have a kiss, and as soon as they've kissed, Alyssa turns around to look at her mum for, like, approval, and her mum nods, and it's that same sort of thing of, like, oh, I still need your approval for this to be okay. Um yeah. which, I, which was very, obviously, like, was the thing of her character needing approval, but it's sort of that... I just felt it was... It's that thing again, um, and that that annoyed me.
0: It is that thing again. I also think, had it not been for Happiest Season, just before, I think we probably would have given that a bit more room than maybe we are. Because I think that the the, the big difference here, I mean, it's still not nice to see that, obviously. But I think that the, the big difference here is that these characters are supposed to be 16. You know, they're working all of this stuff out for the first time. They, you know, haven't fully even come into their s- sexuality yet they don't they've never really had relationships they haven't gone off to uni or had a job or had any of these sort of like forming life experiences whereas Harper and Abby's characters are seem to be in their at least late 20s living in a separate state cohabiting fully, fully functioning adults they've had you know many relationships prior to this and I just think that it's a different level of expectation that you have to sort of put onto a depiction of like a 16 year old girl.
1: Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that's fair point. Definitely. Um, uh, yeah, I mainly was like, (laughs) I didn't understand how we were supposed to believe that Emma, the main character had such incredible, um, self-esteem and ability to stand up for herself when she had seemingly, she'd been like, she had like no, she'd been like out, out, like Turfed out by her family, apart from her her grandma, I think, she she lived with, or her aunt, her aunt, and she had like no friends. She had no friends in it, apart. And then these like Broadway people come along and are her friends, and then she's all of a sudden like really bonded to them in a way that didn't really make sense. But I just I I found that a bit like why didn't she have any friends? But like which is sad to me. Yeah, I don't know. Found it. Found it. I enjoy. I enjoyed it to a point, but I also was not enjoying it. Um, but (laughs) I uh. I thought there was some good bits and some bad bits. I thought that Andrew Rannells was was really good, great, very funny, and I loved all his his constant bring back joke about Juilliard. I thought that was really funny. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, Andrew Rannells is brilliant in everything. I love him, and, and yeah,
1: in every Ryan Murphy thing ever.
0: <laughs> yes, um, but his his song in the fountain. I was just like really happy to have that one-on-one time with Andrew. So, um, <laughs> I think you know, I think I think I would recommend it. You know, it's not a waste of time to watch it. It's, like, a fun, entertaining thing to watch. You know, like like everything, there are um, opinions to be had, and we've got them, so there you go. Um, we've also been um, doing a little bit of watching of Anne Plus, which is a recommendation from a mutual friend. So Anne Plus, I don't even know if that's even how you say it, or if it's just Anne, but it's Anne with a plus sign after it.
1: Yeah, or is it Anne and?
0: It could be. It could be. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. And the reason I don't know is because... It is a series from the Netherlands, and um, it basically charts the life and times of the main character, Anne, plus whoever she happens to be dating at the time through her early twenties, living and loving in Amsterdam. And if you are missing European mini breaks, um, if you're missing going to every single gay bar in Europe over a four day long weekend, if you're missing just having all those little tiny beers, then Anne Plus and Anne and is for you.
1: Yes, it's a big uh, A plus for Anne Plus, if that's what you want. Um, yeah, it's very, uh, it's very European, very evocative of that, isn't it? Um, and I've actually watched, I think, you've, have you watched all of it? I've only watched um, five, four or five episodes so yeah, far. Yeah,
0: I've watched all of it now. Uh, well, there's there's series one on um, on Channel Four, and I think that they've acquired the rights to series two, but I think they were filming that in February, so I don't think it's I don't think it's out yet, or maybe it's not like dropped in the UK yet. But um, I'd never heard of it, and I never would have found it if it hadn't been for um, our friend recommending it.
1: No, yeah, I'm uh, very very grateful to that recommendation. Um, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's just it's like proper like they're only like twenty minutes long, super like. Digestible, really, just like great sort of like young people dating show, like person going through all the the trials and tribulations of dating and working and like friendships and trying to manage all of that and like living on their own and stuff like that, and actually, I have to say massive a plus for M plus for the fact that uh, all the apartments in it are stunning but are realistic, which is one of my like absolute bones like to pick with most television. I hate when or films I hate when people who are supposed to be just like. Average people or whatever live in like complete to like absolutely swanky two stunning apartments i like them to be realistic and i feel like hers is which i think is
0: nice it is although it probably is still a bit too nice well it probably is (laughs) i don't i don't
1: think i know the amsterdam rental market so it's like hard to know but i feel like it's it's on it does it's on the right side of that like like it is really 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 nice but it's um it doesn't they could have gone a lot further with that which always bugs me so yeah Yeah,
0: totally totally i mean everyone is just absolutely gorgeous and chic in this so they have made a lot of ikea furniture look very gorgeous indeed uh, yeah I, I i really enjoy it i think that um the characters are really interesting um i think that it is quite realistic Um, In terms of how it depicts like relationships and friendships in your early 20s and the kind of like emotions that you go through and how you can kind of change and develop as a person. And it's kind of interesting because I'm watching it from the point of view of like someone who can relate to it, but also is maybe like slightly aged out of it. So it's kind of like I'm just looking over my shoulder at it. But. I'm not, you know, completely removed from it. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of a bizarre thing to watch. And then I was like, well, maybe I, w- maybe I would be in this a little bit more if it weren't for the pandemic. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just older than that now.
1: <laughs> that's Yeah, that's interesting because I was watching it being like, I had similar feelings. I was like, oh God, am I too old to live a life like this or not? Yeah, like, that's, because, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, because I, I think I, I found it like it was a life I would quite enjoy f- apart from like the you know sad bits of it and stuff it was quite vibrant you know like cool job lots of friends going out a bunch and like doing stuff and whatever and I was like oh yeah would would love that for me <laughs> and then I was like oh god but she's like 24 am I being ridiculous have I got to am I should I not want that <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah no I, I I I agree it's hard to know where we
0: situate in terms of a uh, and plus well I think it's okay and do you want me to tell you why Oh please yes well there's a bit where some of them are swiping on tinder and they're going through a couple of like potential suitors and one or two of them are 30 so it made Woo! me think we're still in that space
1: phew we're still in the bracket
0: <laughs> i mean hanging on for dear life <laughs> but still no, it's there.
1: okay because the last year as everyone knows it doesn't count so um we're all a lot younger than um we uh appear to when them are stats show and also as everyone knows or most people should know when you're queer you're like what did we say you're like five six years
0: younger or something definitely minimum yeah
1: yeah. Um, so we are Anne plus.
0: Anne plus yes. is us. I also even did the maths. I checked when she graduated, the actor who plays Anne, and then checked it against when Anne came out, which was in two thousand and eighteen. And I worked out that she's probably a couple of years older than who she's playing. And anyway, I've come down on the fact that she is minimum twenty eight now, which makes me feel fine.
1: Okay. Good. <laughs> good to know. Good yeah. To know. So, I just but yeah, hi- highly recommend. Good. Yeah, good show. Definitely.
0: That work behind the scenes. The math. So
1: Olivia, that is what we have been watching. What have you been listening to? What is your track of the week for this week?
0: Well, Lucy, it wouldn't be our very last pre-Christmas, but last episode of the year podcast without mentioning a Christmas song. So... I know that um, in the past, we have extolled the virtues of Robbie Williams's Christmas offerings. And I'm not sure if you already know this, Lucy, but I'm here to tell you, there's another one.
1: Yes, I do know about this.
0: <laughs> of course I do. So um, this time, the new single from the new Robbie Williams Christmas album is Can't Stop Christmas. And when it comes to Robbie Williams, you absolutely can't. It has such lyrics as, so what are we to do about your FaceTimes and your Zooms? There's a room inside my mind and it's always here for you. You can't take away our season like you can take away the wise. Santa's on his sleigh, but now he's two metres away. Honestly.
1: Robbie, you're killing me.
0: <laughs> Honestly, stop it, Robbie. But also, don't stop. Well, and you, and he can't stop it
1: because he can't stop Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, stunning choice there, Olivia. Um, I I hope that Robbie Williams will grow into his into his years and produce more more, more Christmas songs every single year because he keeps he just keeps on delivering.
0: He really does. I mean, I was um, listening to him on table manners this week, and he's just he's just amazing. And he was talking about this this game that he used to play with the other members of Take That, um, called King Nam, where okay. basically. They would challenge one another to um, eat like really like spicy like like they get they get a curry delivery like a takeaway, and then different curries would correspond to like different levels of points based on how spicy they were, and it goes like all the way from like the spiciest one to like a korma or whatever. So um, that's how they did it, and then you had to finish your dish, and then whoever accrued the most amount of points um over like X period of time would be crowned King Nan. Um, and if you are King Nan, you um are the king and Everybody for, I think, so so many hours has to do exactly what you say as King Nan. And you're awarded the trophy, which is a Nan bread that they would just like varnish to sort of mummify it over time. And it would just be passed from like one band member to the next by way of, um, you know, physical accolade for their for their efforts and I thought this is probably the most bizarre thing I've ever heard on a podcast and he said that it was the first and only time he's ever spoken about King Nan publicly (laughs) Uh, but there you are that's the scoop
1: the king the big King Nan reveal oh my god I love that I wonder I love like people's you know little things they have and like whatever I love sh- stories of weird shit like that i wonder <laughs> who was left with the king nan before the big break like who is king king nan eternal
0: yeah he said it was like mainly the other two so who are the other ones in in take that it's howard and jason jason yeah so yeah. those two would mainly be king nan um i could
1: see them as the king nans yeah
0: yeah. yeah yeah um whereas it, it was like less frequent for for gary and robbie unfortunately
1: I, I can't imagine gary barlow going any higher than a korma to be honest he's he's he, he if he were a curry he is a korma you know that yeah man. i
0: think i think he'd be tripping over a rogan josh let's put it that way <laughs>
1: absolutely oh my god what a great story I, I'm gonna listen to that because um I do find Robbie Williams very fascinating individual um I, I listened to him on Adam Buxton's podcast a few months ago and uh, he's, he's he just has a lot of stories and he's just like so fascinating as a person and his whole life and stuff so yeah yeah that sounds of, good rec.
0: he was talking about like how he was in take when he was in take that and then a bit of his solo career how he's probably like one of the last like In terms of how he's kind of perceived and treated as as a celebrity, kind of one of the last like kings of pop where you got treated like you were a king and like wine and dined and private jets and all those things. But now because you don't get the same money from album sales and single sales, it's like it's a totally different experience. So he was kind of talking about that, about how he's one of the kind of last old boys of that i suppose um so yeah it was, it was a really interesting uh podcast and yeah i too find robbie williams a very fascinating person so um if you agree with that then that is um definitely a recommendation for you as is um can't stop christmas and the whole album because i just find it so funny that he's just become like the like uh, sort of unlikely michael buble it's so strange but i love it he's
1: like michael buble meets like i don't know like um oh, something stupid like uh, a <laughs> bow selector
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I'd agree with that. <laughs> have you been listening to anything?
1: Uh yes. Um and I know you've been listening to it too and I know probably a lot of people have on repeat. So my track of the week comes from the brand new surprise second album of the year from Taylor Swift. I know that we talked in the summer when uh, Folklore came out about Folklore, and we actually said we were going to do a Folklore episode, so we actually didn't really talk about it that much. Um, But we didn't do that because we get to decide what we do. So we didn't, sorry. Um, And now she's only gone and done it again and released another album, very much of a similar uh, sort of vibe as Folklore. This one is called Evermore. um, And, oh, I it's just stunning. I love it. Every time I listen to it, it gets better.
0: Yeah. I, I love it too. I I, well, I was talking to you um, about this the other day and I always um, like the tracks that everybody else hates the most and vice versa on the new <laughs> albums. And um, Evermore is um, not massively an exception to that. Um, I was listening to, if, if you are a big Taylor Swift fan and um, you want to kind of Read around or listen around, as it were. I would definitely recommend and recommend in general um, NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Do you ever listen to that podcast? Um, I have
1: done in the past, but um, not recently. Yeah so
0: I've listened to a few recently and they've done one on on Evermore and everything they say is really just dead fair enough um <laughs> their reviews and stuff are really sort of like well thought out and I like really respect the opinions of the people that they that they have on there and they were discussing the album and they didn't really like the ones with um Bon Iver and The National and like they're like my favorite ones and stuff like that because I love Coney Island and I love the collab with The National but is that because I just love The National? I don't know, but I don't care. But the one thing that they did say is, so the one with Haim is, I totally agreed with this. And I don't know if you've picked up on this, but you
1: really can't hear Haim in the song. I agree. Um, I was like listening to it just today and being like, but which bit is them? <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure which bit is, or if they just i mean there's the bit where like they one of them talks like and then there's like is it just that they're playing the instruments i don't know
0: i think that they're like doing backing vocals on it but like super faintly
1: yeah 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 and they must have like written it together and stuff i guess um but yeah no i agree very strange um But I I do think that this album is, like, it's a great parcel with Folklore. I think that it does a lot. A lot of the songs sound like songs from Folklore, but more fleshed out and, like, better versions of some of the
0: songs. Or some kind of, like, call and return between the two albums.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I think that, like, um, I loved Folklore. But there were probably a couple songs on Folklore I would probably skip, maybe, if I was doing an album listen. But I probably wouldn't skip any at the moment on Evermore. So I think that's a testament to it. I, I love it loads. I think it's like got richer like storytelling. Obviously, she's all about this telling people's stories now. She wants to sort of delve into that, which is like great. I think it's a good vibe for her. She's stepping away from like more like, I guess, mainstream poppy pop and, like, more into sort of, like, ulti-folky pop, which um, I, you know, love to see because I do like a bit of folk, so it's all right by me. One of my favourites is actually, and I think will be my track of the week, is one that, like, um, a couple of people I've spoken to about the album were like, oh, that one I didn't like at first, but it's growing on me, is Cowboy Like Me, which okay. um, I just love because, obviously, it's the most one about cowboys, and, obviously, I love cowboys, so. <laughs> It's got a real sort of twang, like twang to it. It's sort of just start. It starts really abruptly, and I kind of like that. And it's um, just nice and sort of romantic and soft. And I don't know, just really, really enjoy that one. So that's probably my track of the week. Why isn't really Oval like...
0: Pet guesting though? Yeah. Oh, oh, don't.
1: That would be because it'd be too good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would be too good. Do you think that this is going to be a trilogy? I've been hearing rumblings that people think that it is
1: i can see that um because things often come in threes don't they and i think she's not done yet um as she said when she released this one she's like oh we just couldn't stop writing songs um and i imagine they're probably still writing them um she seems quite sort of unstoppable at the moment like a, like a big snowball gathering snow and speed through the glorious forests so on the um, christmas yeah. tree farm on a Christmas tree <laughs> Exactly! <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and I, I for one will be there for it. I'm here for it now and I'll be there for it when it comes, if it does. Um, I am, I'm really enjoying what she's doing um, and I hope she keeps doing it. So, uh, yeah, big thumbs up from me.
0: And I've got a couple of podcast recommendations for this week. So I listened to one of the most recent armchair expert podcasts and they had Sean Mendez on and, um, he was talking, um, a lot about his music, how the past year has gone for him in terms of like being a musician during the pandemic. Um, Camila Cabello, um, who seems to be very happy and very much in a massive love spell with, which is really cute for them. Um, but also interestingly, um, Jack Shepard brought up the fact that Sean Mendez has been a lot of speculation around his sexuality and people have been calling him um, gay for a long time. And I didn't know this, um, that people have been like saying this. And he was kind of asking him, well, how do you navigate a situation like that as um, a young guy? Because obviously you've got a massive following and people are looking to you. you um, are straight but you don't want to be seen to be kind of being disparaging or to be homophobic by denying that you're gay but then also there's all of this speculation while you're in this relationship and you want to kind of correct people but how do you do that in a way that feels right um without kind of um alienating or upsetting people but also like being true to yourself and I think um it's just kind of an interesting situation to be in because I didn't realize that was like a thing with with Sean Mendes that people were, were saying that so yeah and Sean Mendes was talking about having um quite a few gay friends who in the course of their lives have been harassed or attacked for their sexuality so you wanted to kind of um stand up F- stand up for them and to be a voice for them but obviously how can you be a voice for something if you're not that thing that you're being the voice of and I think it's quite an interesting an interesting conversation because I didn't realize that was like a thing that people said people are so weird aren't they like why would you obsess over that it's just
1: no it's 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 a strange thing isn't it but I, I did know that because I it, I think there's the whole thing is like that people say that both him and Camille Cabello are actually like queer but that they're like each other's Beards, beards or whatever yeah so um I have heard that um and yeah it's, it is an interesting um like position to be in like you say but I think it's like I mean personally as a queer person I don't I wouldn't be offended by him being like no I'm not gay I'm straight <laughs> like, no, um and no. I but I you know but it is but it is interesting that that, I, that that's a what that's like that's a yeah know, I a think that if or, you're like
0: in your really early 20s though and you're trying I am
1: to, Olivia because I'm six years younger remember
0: oh, I'm sorry yeah you're you are you're the same age as I'm plus um yeah. I think, I think if you're kind of like that that age and you know everything for people that age can be like a bit in flux or like a bit uncertain it can be difficult I suppose to always like know that you're doing the right thing and like supporting people in the right way so I don't know I thought it was just kind of an interesting conversation that they had and I also listened to the most recent Grounded by Louis Theroux and he had on absolute icon I'm such a big fan Rylan Clark Neal did you listen to this? Actually
1: no I'm I'm, I'm about 20 minutes into it I haven't listened to all of it yet I didn't get round to it but um uh yeah what a what a complete icon and complete hun of the ages deserves everything and more I, I totally agree
0: I mean, I've been obsessed with Rylan for a number of years now. I think that he's so talented and just such um, a delightful star in the sky of people and just so intelligent and so interesting and has a really sort of um, interesting outlook on life and um, his way of kind of like storytelling and everything. I just think that he is just like pure gold, basically. And um, it was a really really good podcast, and I won't spoil it for you if you haven't um, if you haven't listened to it. But I would definitely definitely recommend that. He spills the tea, but he spills just enough. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he really knows. They were discussing how he knows how to kind of like give so much, but he has like like really sort of well maintained boundaries on what he says and doesn't say but um still feels like completely like natural and and personable he talks about family stuff about how he has how he has um a whole other family from his dad's side who doesn't know that he exists and so i'm now i'm wondering if i'm rylan clark's sister which i wholly hope is the case so rylan if you're listening if you know it's me please tell me because I love you.
1: You'd be happy to know. Yeah, absolutely. That would be stunning for you. would love that. Uh, So I actually, I haven't listened to any um, podcasts really. I've actually been quite behind on my podcasts. I've noticed them all like stacking up and I'm like, oh God, when am I I? I just, I don't have the same sort of schedule. Although I have literally infinite time i don't seem to have the same type of time when i would usually listen to a podcast so uh i'm not listening to them as much so i need to recalibrate how i do my listening but anyway uh but i have read a couple of books um which i thought i would mention so i read bluets by maggie nelson um which is just like a really sort of very easily digestible sort of short very short paragraphs collection of maggie nelson's like thoughts and sort of relationship with the color the color blue and uh, she is obsessed with the color blue as becomes very abundantly clear in this uh, book and she sort of weaves like um talking about different bl- the, the, her relationship to the colour blue, really, really beautifully written. Also, with sort of talking about the end of a relationship and also her relationship with a friend of hers. And it's just, it's, it's really, um, really digestible, really well written. If you like sort of people's ponderings about life relationships um, and the colour blue, then you'll <laughs> really enjoy it. Um, I found it very easy to read because it's so easy to just pick up, put down, Whenever you want. So I would recommend it. It's a really lovely book. I mean, and it just is like a stunning actual book if you want something that just looks good on your shelf, which I always do. So, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I read that. So that's uh, one right. I also read uh, The Appointment by Katharina Volkmer. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, I bought it because um, it's a, have you heard of the publishers uh, Fitzcaraldo? They do all the i mean you've definitely read that they do all the really oh yeah, books. yeah
0: yeah yeah the blue yeah.
1: <laughs> so they had a um sale on in october maybe where it was like you could get five of their books for 25 quid or something which is really good oh. um and that's where i got box hill from which i've talked about you've read hurricane season which is one of their like main yeah. books that they sell um Drive your plow over the pon- over the bones of the dead, which I've also read is theirs um but yeah, so I bought a couple, and one of the ones I bought was the appointment um and uh I'm just gonna read the little blurb for it because um it's like it's basically it's it's literally one long monologue um of uh a person at an appointment with their doctor and them just going through like. Uh, musings on their life, um, and sort of re- you reveal the reals more of their character as it goes through. I'll just read this little below. In a well appointed examination in London, a young woman unburdens herself to a certain Dr. Zilligman. Though she can barely see above his head, she holds forth about her life and desires and her struggles with her sexuality and identity. In a monologue that is both razor sharp and subversively funny, she takes us on a wide ranging journey from ultra sexual fantasies and overbearing mothers to the medicinal properties of squirrel tails and the enduring legacy of shame. So, it's 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 quite an intense book um and she's a very intense character um and you know there's quite a lot of like graphic descriptions of like um some dreams she has and um she has like a fascination with um with hitler and the nazis and stuff um but it's really it's really really interesting book and it's unlike anything i've really sort of read before in that it's just this one long monologue um of somebody who's really really struggling with their identity um, and with dysphoria, uh, and, um, with where they are and who they are in the world. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend that if any of that sounds interesting to you. Um, it's very, it's quite short, so it's easy to sort of get through if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, those are the two books I have read. Have you read any books?
0: Um, I read one book and it's one that I recommended at the beginning of our live show which is um, called queer intentions by amelia abraham and i finally finished it after ages um of i don't know but i just finished it and yeah. um yeah i think that you know so much is ha- i mean so much happens every year when it comes to um queer culture queer commentary queer laws all of these things that kind of affect us at such a rapid rate every single year that already there are things in this book that are probably outdated in a sense. But... It's definitely a snapshot in time of where things were kind of maybe um, last year, but it's also like interspersed with Amelia's personal experience of um, you know, life as a queer person and growing up um, within that kind of context. It speaks about relationships and um, kind of what she's learned and how her identity sort of fits in or juxtaposes with um, those of her subjects. And I thought it's it's a really interesting sort of format because it's like weaving journalism with her own sort of like personal I- experiences um, as well. So it doesn't just read like a kind of sort of dry non-fiction book. It's kind of um, sort of part memoir, part sort of um, journalistic kind of interview-based uh, book. But yeah, it's it definitely speaks to the kind of vast and varied ways that you can um, explore queerness and queer identities and it it kind of explores um, the idea that queerness is super mainstream or how it might have been mainstreamed like she goes to a drag con for example and um, speaks to drag queens about the kind of pros and cons of something like that being so commercialized and speaks about pride and um yeah um different and people's experiences from kind of an international perspective as well so it's quite broad-ranging and I think that you know um yeah if you're looking to have a bit of a snapshot of all of those things then um, it's an interesting book and also a really great jumping off point if you are um maybe maybe sort of new to that kind of world and you want to kind of. get a bit more um au fait with like different people that you could follow on Instagram or people's books to read or interesting active activists or events all of that kind of stuff it really kind of provides um, a bit of a starter kit to all of that stuff as well so um yeah I, I enjoyed it and I think um as well I was um in a space where I wanted to read something that wasn't fiction. So if you are looking for something that is queer but not a novel, then I'd recommend it.
1: Nice, yeah, sounds good. Sounds like a good sort of, like, encyclopedia of queer bits.
0: Yeah, and she's also very kind of... um, self-deprecating and and quite funny and it it begins with her talking about um this whirlwind romance that she has with this woman who lives in Sweden and how she basically dropped her whole life to be with her and then she managed like four days and the relationship just completely disintegrates and she has to come back to London and rebuild her whole life again I mean we've all been there (laughs) Um, oh man but no she she speaks about it in um quite a devastating but quite funny way so um that's in there as well
1: (laughs) so from stunning books that we love to see on the shelf to things that we wish had a very short shelf life it's time for
0: i don't agree with it
1: olivia what do you not agree with this week
0: well i have to say that i absolutely don't agree (laughs) with um it's something that i've seen on instagram so let me just find it so um there's been a lot of talk about um the disparity between the way that um london is being treated going into tier three as the north has i'm not going to talk about that because i refuse to because <laughs> i'm I'm just not but um there's been a lot of talk about that on instagram and off the back of that, there's this woman that I follow who said that basically she was uh, she was sharing certain opinions about that, um, and then it got onto the subject of talking about what people who aren't from the north like like questions that they have genuinely asked people from the north, right? And so okay. she create she created one of those like boxes where you can like put it in, and then she like shares it with her followers. Yeah. And oh my god. Some of these things, I just don't agree that they were asked in a serious way, but they 100% were. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll read some of them to you. Someone once asked me if we have radiators in the North. I told them that we have underfloor heating. A friend's child asked me if we have toilet roll in the North. Um, A friend asked if it was safe to drink the tap water in Sheffield. Do people from Newcastle like sushi? (laughs) Why don't you have a British accent? Oh you're too smart to be from Manchester. (gasps) I once visited (laughs) I once visited Newcastle and it was so developed. (laughs) I was once asked if there were hairdressers up here in Birmingham. I once got asked in a supermarket if we had boil-in-the-bag rice. I've been asked if we have a toilet indoors. If we have nice outdoor spaces, because people thought that it was just grey and industrial. Do we have proper plumbing or do all houses have septic tanks? And someone um, said to her at uni that she couldn't believe that we were allowed so close to cows because in the countryside you can like walk in a field where a cow is and her mind was blown that you could like get that close to cows like she thought it'd be like too dangerous she'd never seen that before so these are all the things that i don't agree with
1: oh god (laughs) honestly this country jesus that is horrendous that is so infuriating i'm like wildly infuriated by all of that um yeah that's wild and also just like obviously there's so many things to say but the main thing i want to say is get your mind in about the water because our water is one billion times better
0: (laughs) really is so fresh so clean (laughs)
1: yeah um wow okay yeah very very good one and i also do not agree with it that is insane
0: yeah a bumper i don't agree with it to round off the year um how about you lucy my i don't agree with it. actually comes off
1: the back of um i was reminded of it um when i was watching and plus uh the, the program we have been talking about Um, I, I i don't agree with mugs that have stupid handles did you clock those mugs the one, in with her, the two one of her offices
0: <laughs> yes i thought right okay so i was wondering was that meant to be like <laughs> some like satirical nod to working in like a creative agency or in media like was it meant to be kind of like poking fun
1: yes i i think it was and i've i've decided it has to be because otherwise it's just like criminal um so they um i think these mugs are hard to explain maybe we should post
0: a pic of them it's when, we, uh, when like, this
1: episode goes live
0: imagine like you holding a cup of tea like a beaker like a sippy <laughs> like a sippy beaker it's like that
1: yeah sippy cup <laughs> Yeah. They looked like um they look like some sort of weird like um exercise, like weird dumbbell, but they're not. There's also like a mug in the middle for your espresso. <laughs> so um yeah, no, just so bad. And it reminded me that I really, really dislike a mug that has a shit handle because we can't we don't have time for that. We we need to be able to drink the tea or the coffee or whatever you uh, decide to have. Um but I and I can't abide you know like all these mugs that have like just tiny little handles or even like really big ones or oh just i don't have time for it and the 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 epitome of that that mug is that mug on hand plus so yeah that is my i don't agree with it simple but you know don't be coming at me with a bad mug
0: yeah and if you do want to have a better mug in your life might i recommend our very own queer longing mugs which are the perfect proportion
1: absolutely um we should you know if you want one just dm us get in contact email us a little order uh we
0: can't tell you how much they are because i don't actually know so it's <laughs> not helpful is it <laughs> i mean they're definitely but, um, they are available definitely less than 20 quid <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes how much, and what, some <laughs> how much were they i can't
1: remember I don't know. Maybe they were like seven quid. No, maybe they were more
0: than that. Yeah, I don't maybe remember. More. I can't remember. Anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, but whatever. speaking of excellent mugs, I wanted to mention this on last week's podcast, but we didn't record one. So um, I'm going to do it now. And it was going to be my living for. And what I was going to say was that I was living for all of my festive mugs. So all of the like normal mugs have gone away for over Christmas. I mean, not here at my mum's house where like there are things like that, but um, put all of the normal mugs away and bring in all the Christmas mugs, step into Christmas and oh, what mug do I find? The absolutely gorgeous mug that you bought my mum last Christmas and I've been stealing it and enjoying it.
1: Good mug, isn't it? Um I actually i f I've got to tell you, but I got a lovely little text from your mum the other morning saying, Here I am having my porridge with my with my favourite Christmas mug. Went, oh, so yeah! nice. she, yeah? Honestly, like, she's, she's I like it to
0: She's a sly old fox. She's she she does send the odd message to some of my friends and she never tells me.
1: She does, doesn't she? Yeah. Oh Allison. She's just, you know, she's just keeping everyone on the payroll. Fair enough.
0: Um no, absolutely. <laughs> well, that, that's very nice. No, she's very into porridge at this time nice. of year.
1: Mm, yeah, I I like of this time of year. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good winter warmer, isn't it?
0: So another year, another podcast. There's been highs, there's been lows. We've had probably um, the trickiest year collectively on record so big big loves to everybody who's been um keeping up with us for this past year and has been um sticking with us through our new ways of working through zoom and um you know we hope that we have provided a little bit of levity to you but at the very least just a bit of you know background noise to kind of help you along your way and hopefully into a better and brighter 2021. I, like you've said, have absolutely relied on this podcast to get me through quite a lot of these weeks and months. So it's definitely something that I don't take for granted. Every time we get a message or a like or, you know, some kind of like interaction, we absolutely live for that it's so exciting to us still after um basically two years of doing this so please do still keep in touch with us we'll be having a bit of a break over the next couple of weeks but rest assured we will be back um, in january 2021 and um, in the meantime you can follow us on instagram at queer longing on our email at queer gmail at gmail.com and on twitter at queer longing as well But until what we hope will be a better 2021, we will be loving you, leaving you, and longing for you. Until then. Bye. (laughs)
1: Um, Okay, right. Should we just (laughs) stop it? End the podcast. Stop it.